Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Well, hi, Horizon. Good morning. Hope you're doing well. Today, we are finishing our September series, What is on Your Mind? What's on Your Mind? And last week, Brad preached from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Today, I'll be continuing on from this particular portion of Scripture and I'm teaching from verse 8, which says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul goes on to say in verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the peace of God will be with you. This morning, I'd like to chat with you about your thoughts. And I want to approach it this morning from both a scientific and a biblical perspective. Because contrary to what many people say or think or believe, science and the Bible are actually not in opposition to each other. Now, many of you may not realise that prior to starting work at church, I actually had a decade and a half of experience in the public and corporate health sector. I, what seems like a generation or two ago, I don't know, a couple of decades ago, I went to university in Perth. Our daughter Tori is starting university next year and it seems crazy that it was such a long time ago that I was there. But when I did go to university in Perth, I completed a Bachelor of Science and I majored in Health Sciences and Health and Safety. From there, like I said, I spent a decade and a half working for some of Australia's largest companies and some of Australia's largest government agencies. I specialised in the area of health for training, communications, as well as preventative health strategies and injury prevention. So a little disclaimer before we go into this a little bit, because I am going to be speaking a little bit of health sciences today. I am not a doctor, (laughs) not by any means. We have some incredibly gifted doctors in Horizon and I certainly am not one of them. But I just think it's important, particularly in a day where anyone can have a platform, just to give you a little bit of context as to my experience and my qualifications. So today's message, it is not medical advice. Can I encourage you though, that if anything of what I say actually resonates with you today and you think, wow, I may have a little bit of work that needs to be done in this area. Can I encourage you to speak to a medical professional? Can I ask you to reach out to your GP, a counsellor and a psychologist if you know that that's something that you need to do? So without any further ado, there's our intro done. We are going to take a short human bile lesson together here at Horizon this morning. Is that okay? Good. Well, there's no one in the crowd here to say yes or no, so we're going to do it anyway. So we're going to start this morning by looking at the amygdala. The amygdala. Turn to someone this morning and say, amygdala, the person on the couch next to you, amygdala. You can even put it in the chat below. 
and you get extra points if you type it with the correct spelling. You ready? Go. Amygdala. Put it in the, in the chat right now. The amygdala, it's a small almond-shaped part of the brain that is wired for survival. It's the first responder to danger and once activated, it sends signals to get your stress hormones released. So thinking adrenaline, think cortisol. It prepares your body for action. And this all happens deep unconsciously in our brains. So if you find yourself in a fight, a flight or a freeze situation, you can thank your amygdala. Your amygdala says, be ready. Your amygdala says, be careful. Your amygdala says, be on guard. So say for example, we've all been enjoying this amazing spring weather. You're in the national park hiking this weekend and a snake crosses across your path. Your amygdala is the one that says to you, jump back, look out, don't let it get you. God gave us this part of our brain for our protection. I wanna share a funny story with you. I went to Canada as an exchange student when I was 15 years old. I don't know, that's Wade's age. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. I went for a whole year and lived in Canada and I lived with a family on an exchange program. So there was a dad, he was in the Navy like my dad, so he was away most of the time that I was there. There was a mum and there was two daughters similar age to myself. Now, one snowy afternoon, as it often is in Canada, the girls and I, we were baking brownies in the kitchen and we have a knock at the door. We open the door and there's a gentleman there by the name of David. He introduces himself. Good afternoon, my name's David. I'm here from the water company. I am here to take a sample of your water. So us three young girls were like, of course, come in, David. Here's the kitchen, here's the sink. Do you need access to anything else? No, David takes his water sample. As he's finishing up, tightening the water sample about to leave, the mum of the house comes up. She quickly escorts David out of the house and then she turns around, locks the doors and we get the biggest, like in so, so much trouble. She gives us the worst case scenario. What were you girls thinking letting a stranger into the house like that? Like we fully welcomed him into the kitchen. Yeah, come on in. She says, he could be an axe murderer. He could be casing the house. She calls the water company to ask if there's a man by the name of David doing water testing in our area. No, there is no one called David in our area doing water testing, collecting samples. So now we're a little bit scared. Now we're like, oh well, who was he? Was he really collecting water samples? We'd let him into our house. He knows there are four females living alone in the house. We're suitably petrified. We have learnt our lesson, or so we think. So then the mum of the home, she goes out to take the youngest daughter to swimming lessons. So it's just myself and Tara, who's a similar age to me. So anyway, we're cleaning up the kitchen, doing what we needed to do, and we receive a phone call. So I answer the phone, hello, and this person says on the other end, hi, it's me, David. I am so freaked out. I, I literally like, throw the phone, because phones back then used to be attached to walls. Um, there used to be a cord for all of you young people watching. So I had the phone, I throw it against the wall, and I'm like, ah! Anyway, hang up the phone. Anyway. Two seconds later, the phone rings again. Hello? He says, hi, it's David from the water company. I'm like, yes. 
He says, I dropped the water sample, it broke, and I need to come back for another one. Okay, so we hang up the phone and the two of us are like freaking out. David is coming back. He probably knows it's only the two of us. He knows that mum has gone and it's just the two young girls and he's coming to get us. So we're starting to get a little bit anxious, a little bit scared. And then we remember it was a plastic water bottle. Plastic water bottles don't fall on the floor and break. So now we know something is seriously up. We are freaking out that David is coming. He has seen Sue drive off in her car and knows that it's just the two of us alone and he's coming to get us. So we go to the kitchen, we grab out the biggest kitchen knives that we can find, right? We're, gonna, we're ready for this. So we grab the kitchen knives. Now, one thing you may not also know about me, not only did I work in the area of science, but I also have a hunter's licence, yes? I got my hunter's licence, so we went and we grabbed our guns, so we (laughs) grabbed our big rifles and we ran down to the basement. So we've got knives, we've got guns, we're ready. We're literally down in the basement, petrified, shaking, holding our knives, holding our guns, ready for David the waterman to come and enter the house. Soon, the mum comes home. Now, as you can imagine, our amygdala is firing big time. Stress hormones are going crazy. She comes home, we're in hysterics, we're crying. David's coming, he called us back, the water bottle was plastic, how can it break? And he's coming, he knows it's us and we're gonna die. You know, we are totally freaking out. She is completely calm. She tries to speak sense into us. Finally, she tells us she knows for certain that David is not coming for us because he actually never called us. No, she had decided to teach us a lesson. So on her way to swimming lessons, she dropped in and saw Tony at the supermarket and asked Tony to give us a call and pretend he was David, the waterman. She had made it all up. So then we were like, no, surely, but what about, how? Even once she told us the truth, We had a hard time accepting it. Like our teenage emotion hormones were going absolutely crazy. We were going into overdrive. All the responses were going absolutely nuts. Fight, flight, freeze. We had all of it happening. The problem is with our amygdala is that it's not really objective. She had told us, you're not in any danger, but our teenage emotions were freaking out big time. You see, this part of the brain, the amygdala, actually means almond in Latin. It actually can't think. Its mantra is, survive now, ask questions later, even if that means kitchen knives and guns. (laughs) So because our amygdala isn't objective, it needs a little help from something that God gave us called the prefrontal cortex. Are you enjoying your human bio lesson today? I hope so. We're nearly getting into the Bible, don't worry. Thank goodness for the prefrontal cortex. This is the logical part of our brain. It thinks logically, it's rational and it's reasoning. So you can almost imagine the amygdala is the highly caffeinated, always on edge, high blood pressure part of you. And the the prefrontal cortex is the level-headed, calm, realistic, even-tempered part of you. So you might be sitting there at home today thinking, why all the talk about brain function, Alison? Well, firstly, I actually am concerned for you. (laughs) I care for you because an overactive amygdala is unhealthy for you. 
An overstimulated amygdala can lead to chronic stress, heightened fear, increased irritation, and can make it difficult to calm down or even to sleep. And there are also long-term health consequences. But secondly, and this is where we're sort of gonna get into the message this morning. Secondly, if I were to make one observation of 2020, 2021, it's that there is so much noise going on in our worlds. It's vying for our attention and trying to take hold of our thoughts. I've observed voices of dissension, confusion, distraction, the sound of disappointment and heartache, the unrelenting oversaturation of news and social media, the unlimited connectedness we have with the world and with others. And in many ways, it's a blessing, but in many ways, it's also a stress. And all these things can act as triggers for our amygdala. Triggers that fill us with fear, anxiety and worry. It's the sort of things that make your mind run away with anxious thoughts and leave your body feeling short of breath and full of panic. It's all because of the amygdala. The intricately designed, wonderfully made by God, hormonal and physiological responses that are designed to fight off threat or flee to safety, unfortunately also overreact to stresses that are not life-threatening. These include things like work pressure, financial stress, family difficulties, even things like media and online discourse. Did you know, and this is incredible, but did you know that your mind can perceive social media confrontations as real threats? And the amygdala releases a stress response to that. So as social media threats increase, the overusage of the stress response also increases. So you think about those Twitter wars, <laughs> arguments on Facebook, and you know, it's out there everywhere. When we were on our break, Brad and I, I joined this cleaning and organising group on Facebook. I thought, what a great thing. It'll inspire me for organisational tips in my house. You know, there was a few things I wanted to get organised, you know, our study, my kitchen, my storage rooms. I'll join this group. It'll be amazing. Oh my goodness. Those people are hostile. <laughs> there are so many arguments and things and I'm leaving this group and these people, they're so mean and people digging at other people because of the way their house looks and this and that and you shouldn't clean like that. Oh my goodness, some of those people are next level critical and argumentative. It can happen everywhere. And I find this stuff concerning. We allow this stuff to divide. And I'm seeing it divide families. I'm seeing it divide society. I'm seeing it divide friendships. These things are being torn apart by heat of the emotion responses. Your amygdala thinks you're under attack and it responds accordingly. These heat of the moment thoughts that, you, that, that people are having and responding in such a way because you think you're under attack. Even watching the news can trigger our amygdala. See, it's important to realise that, did you know you don't actually have to truly be in a life-threatening danger situation for the amygdala to activate? It activates when it perceives a threat. So if you're consistently in areas or in situations where it's perceiving that there's a threat, it's consistently activating. It's consistently going into overdrive. And that's why disasters and traumas that can occur far away can feel really threatening to us. 
even when we're sitting safely in our own homes. You know, after the events of the last couple of years, our brains <laughs> have been on one major roller coaster. I don't think there's any denying that. And there's no doubt that many of us have had lots of stress and anxiety to deal with. And it's into this anxious space that Paul the Apostle speaks to us from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's into this anxious space that Paul speaks to us, languishing in a prison cell. He was suffering. He probably had anxieties of his own that he was dealing with. And he speaks into this anxious space. And he says to us, this is what you should be thinking about. This is where the focus of your mind needs to be. Set your thoughts on these things. You know, we're 13 weeks now into this lockdown. I calculated, I think I've got it right. I think it's 92 days today in New South Wales we've been in lockdown. It's very natural and it's very normal for us to be feeling a sense of angst or apprehension. Our lives as we know it have been turned upside down for two years now. Personally, if I find myself feeling overwhelmed by negative thoughts, for example, feeling down that I haven't been able to see my family. We haven't been able to go to Perth in two years and I've missed many milestones um, personally within my family. It was my mum's 70th last two weekends ago. Happy 70th, Joan. Happy 70th, Mum. I call her Joan because everyone here knows her. Happy birthday, Mum. <laughs> um, feeling down that I can't see them or, you know, for example, Tori, our daughter, I was crying the other day with a teacher on the phone on Zoom because she started talking about the fact that um, we won't be there for their year 12 graduation. And I got all teary because there's this really significant milestone in her life that she's been working towards for 13 years that we're not gonna get to celebrate. We're not even sure if they'll get to have a formal, all these amazing things that they're missing out on. Maybe you're feeling anxious about the world at large or concerned about your kids and how this situation is affecting them in the long run. When this happens to me, I literally stop and think about my thoughts. <laughs> think about what you're thinking. And I think to myself, I actually challenge myself, is what I'm thinking noble? Is what I'm thinking right? Is what I'm thinking pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? And if it's not, I actually say, you're gonna think I'm weird. I'm actually like, bye, see ya. Don't wanna think about you. And I say goodbye to that thought. Christian psychologist and author, Dr. Henry Cloud, and he's one of my favourites. If you've read his books, you'll understand why. But he says this about thoughts. Negative thoughts have power. Everyone has them, but happy people let them fly by like a bird instead of catching them and inviting them to move into their heads and build nests. Unhappy people attach to negative thoughts and treat them as if they're reality. They allow those thoughts to dictate their actions. But remember, they are only thoughts. He goes on to say, do not grab them, 
attach yourself to them or let them have any power. Just let them go by and do not think anything of them as they are only thoughts. My challenge to you is, church, when negative thoughts come, I want you to capture that thought. I want you to take it captive and I want you to apply the test. Is it noble? Is it true? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? If not, let it float by. Don't let it nest in your head and set its home up there. Thoughts like, I'm such a failure. That's not true. Let that one float by. My world is falling apart. My life is going backwards because of this situation. That's not praiseworthy. Bye, let it float by. Gossip, gossip, gossip. This, that, him, her, they said, they think. That's not pure. That's not lovely. Bye-bye, let it float by. My life is not worth living. That's not a right thought. Bye-bye, let it float by. Do not allow church, do not allow these negative thoughts to set up home in your head. Let them float by. Brad and I at home, we have like an outdoor deck area and there are these Indian minor birds. Now, if you have Indian minor birds at your home, you know that they're a pest. They actually are a pest. If you Google it, Wikipedia says they're a pest, that they're a pest. Anyway, they're a pest. They're annoying. They come in, they swoop, they poo on our, on our um, outdoor dining table. They poo on the chairs. They poo on the clothesline. They poo on the clothes and then I have to wash them again. They are annoying. Anyway, in the last maybe month or so since spring has been coming, the last two months, they have been coming more and more frequently. Like we're literally having these Indian miners all day, every day in the backyard. And I'm like, we need to get rid of them. And I said to Brad, I said, whatever happens, I said, have you seen a nest? Do not let them set a nest up in our backyard. The last thing we want is for these Indian miners to set up a nest in our backyard because then we're never getting rid of them. And that's exactly what these negative thoughts are like. If you allow them to nest in your head, if you allow them to get in your mind, they will actually set up nest in your mind. And once they're there, it's a much bigger problem. It's heaps harder to actually get rid of them. So that's what I said to Brad. I said, let's make sure that they're not nesting anywhere. Have they got a nest anywhere? Great. No nest. Don't let them nest because once you allow those things there, it's much harder to get rid of them. So what thoughts are you giving permission to set up home and nest in your mind? Discouragement? Disagreement? Anger? dissatisfaction, comparison, anxiety? What are the thoughts, particularly in the last two years, that you've allowed to nest and set up home in your mind? Now, does this mean I'm supposed to live a life that's devoid of emotion, devoid of feeling, unrealistic? Of course not. (laughs) Grief, disappointment, sadness, They're all valid emotions, but the most resilient people in the world realise that this is just a moment, it isn't permanent. 
And I want you to grasp this this morning, church, because this stuff is important. What you think about is important. Paul has spoken this to us from the pit of a prison. It is important. It is important. Most of life's battles are lost and won in the mind. And you cannot have, no matter how hard you try to fill it with things, you cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind. And I don't know if you realise this, but Brains, our brains can hold negative thoughts more easily than positive ones. How crazy is that? But again, that's thanks to the amygdala. You guys are never going to forget that word now, amygdala. Because our brains are wired to perceive threatened danger so we can respond quickly and efficiently to avoid hurt, uh, to avoid being hurt or being killed and to protect ourselves. The challenge is, is that if our amygdala is continually being fired up, It's a problem for our health because these anxiety signals are continually being sent to our brain. And from there, it becomes easy to ruminate on these thoughts, to catastrophize, to imagine, and even create all sorts of stories about ourselves and other people in our mind. And eventually, these responses become hardwired into our brain. So if our thought life is this important, If our thought life can affect the outcome of our life, if our thought life can affect our health, if our thought life can affect our future, our family, our relationships, what should a Christian thought life look like? I think our scripture for today is a really good starting point of what it should look like. Whatever is true. Is what I'm dwelling on true? The word true that's used here means truthful, loving the truth. Is what you're thinking about yourself, about your life, your marriage, your future, your current situation, is it true? Is it reliable? Ask yourself that question. Secondly, whatever is noble. The word noble here means honest, and honourable. It refers to that which is majestic and awe-inspiring, dignified and worthy of respect. I hope you think of yourself in those terms. Whatever is right, this word means virtuous, conforming to God's standards. Not is it right in my eyes, not is it right in the eyes of others, but does it conform to God's standards? Is what I'm meditating on, is what I'm thinking on right? Is it virtuous? Whatever is pure. This word means clean, innocent and holy. And our mindset is obviously influenced by what we read, watch and hear. Whatever is lovely. This word means acceptable and pleasing. And it's the only time this word is used in the Bible. And I think that's lovely because I do love the word lovely. It carries the idea of attracting loveliness, something that is pleasing and incites love. Paul says, think about these things. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, this word means good report, 
spoken with a kindly spirit. How beautiful it would be to have a mind that thinks admirably about others. This word for admirable comes from a compound word meaning to speak well of something. It is positive, not negative. It's constructive, not destructive. It builds up and doesn't tear down. You know, church, we are to build others up, not to tear them down. Let your thought life, let your words, let your manner be constructive and not destructive. Admirable denotes fair speaking of others. Fair speaking of others. Would you be, would you be embarrassed sometimes to express the, the thought that you may be having about others? Is it fair speaking? And I wanna encourage us in this season to be fair speaking people. Don't get overrun, don't let your amygdala think that you're in the midst of a war that doesn't even exist. Allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to help you in your mind to think about admirable things. Anything excellent. This means virtue, moral goodness, moral excellence. And finally, praiseworthy. This word means commendation and praise. It refers to things that God Himself would approve. Don't continually be giving attention to the negative. Put your, thing, your, put your thoughts on the things that are praiseworthy. Put your thoughts on things that are praiseworthy. And I want to encourage you, church, that you know, if you find yourself feeling down, if you find yourself wrapped up in the, in the online arguments and this and that and this voice and the noise and everything that's going on at the moment, can I encourage you, put your focus on things that are praiseworthy. Take yourself away, start praising God, start lifting up His Name, start declaring His promises over your life, start declaring His promises over your kids, start declaring His Word over your life and your future, over your finances, over your family, over every situation. Let it be praiseworthy. Oh God, let my thoughts be praiseworthy. What an incredible encouragement this is from Paul. Think about such things. And he finishes that verse nine by saying, and the peace of God will be with you. This is the pattern for the thought life of a Christian. And the peace of God will be with us. What a beautiful way for us to set up our minds to think. Think upon such things. Church, can I encourage you that this season there is noise. There is volume. There is a saturation of media, connectedness, communication, uh, all sorts of things vying for your attention. Your amygdala is firing off because it thinks it's under threat. It thinks it's gotta survive. It's going into survival mode. Can I encourage you, come back to thinking about such things. Open the Word when you're feeling overwhelmed. Go to the prayer closet when you need strength. Lift up praise to God when you're feeling like everything's falling apart. This is the pattern that Paul has given us for the thought life of a Christian. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, I thank You, Lord, for Horizon. 
God, I thank You for her people. I thank You, God, that we are part of such a wonderful community. And Lord, I just pray for the thought life of every person who's listening today, every person who's watching online today. And God, we've been bombarded in the last two years with many, many thoughts, many distractions, so much noise, so much conflict. But God, we put those things aside and Father, we set our focus on You. We set our eyes on You. We put our mind on heavenly things. And Father, I just pray for anyone that's been distracted, anyone that has felt division, God, anyone that has felt like there's, there's been things that have been going on in their mind which are not of You. God, even, uh, even false stories, God, that have been created in people's minds, God, a false narrative of the season and the time and things that are going on and things that have been said. God, I just pray that You would bring, Father, clarity today. Holy Spirit, that You would minister to people's minds today. That God, anxiety and fear and worry would go. Let that thing dissipate right now in Jesus' Name. And we pray that the peace of Jesus would come and replace that today. Father, I thank You that in Your Word, You have given us a pattern of Christian thought. And today, God, we lay a hold of that. I just thank You, God, that You're blessing every single person, everyone watching, all of our Horizon people. We love them and we love You. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your blessing upon them in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.